Back to another episode of Not Your Average Operator with me, Paul Mellon McFadden. Sitting here with my two lads. How are you doing, that, Tio? I'm, I'm good, mate. How are you doing? The best thing is that Tio's in the full caricature of Tio outfit, a red flannelette shirt. He's got a green trucker hat on and he's knocking the top off a of frothy, which is lovely. And then just in the pregame, it was a, it was apparent that it, it's not his first. How, um, how are you going? Uh, yeah, no, no. I'll have you, I'll have you know. Um, I have had frothies before, uh, getting with you to see you next Tuesdays, but this is not, this is a, it's called a Celsius. It's a, it's an, it's like one of those health drinks. It's got BCAs in it and it's, uh, yeah, man, it keeps he's me dead. hydrated. It's he's, bullshit. He's, t- he's taking a bang to the face. That's what he's doing. <laughs> is that not, is that not a beverage? Is that, is that like a health tonic? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It, it keeps my gains from my last workout, which was about three weeks ago. But um, I'd like to circle back and talk about how Mike, um, I was thinking about this right before we came on the episode. And I was just thinking, dude, I'm actually kind of sad and a little disappointed that we haven't seen his Brett Michael with Down syndrome get up in quite some time. Like, I, And I literally mean, how long has it been, Malin? It's been a long time. Right. Well, th- the reason is because uh, I'm scarred from it now because I simply wore it uh, for Dr. Aaron. You wore it correct. Yes, yeah, so let's be correct. I, yeah, and I, I wanted to look semi cool and presentable in front of a lady guest, and uh, I fucked it away. And uh, <laughs> the, the beratement that I got was a lesson learned. So that's why it's now resting in my drawer. It won't return. Noted. Lack yeah. of courage. I just took a note. Okay. <laughs> he's spunky when he drinks that shit. How's your week been, Raph? You're, you're, you're back in your hotel room. It's so funny seeing you in a hotel room. It looks a bit... It's not quite gold-plated like the ones in, <laughs> back in the UAE on the way in and out. And you're not in your, you're not in your cupboard with a photo of Wonder Woman and uh, the Joker chick. With my, uh, with my Brillo. With my Brillo. Uh, <laughs> the Steelo wool. Dude, I, yeah, man, I've come a long way. Um, even though you two won't recognize it, I've come a long way, Melon. I'm a respectable aviator type in the uh, in our national ah. airspace. Ah. Uh, it's a it's a big it's a big thing, you know. I mean, having I was just thinking about it. You you deploying and doing comms with us back, literally from the front. Uh, pretty extraordinary stuff, you know, in between combat missions. And now, now look at you, you know, training up. In your trucker hat. <laughs> yeah, notice yeah. how it notice how it never changed, right? It didn't matter if I was like in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever I was. <laughs> like it, my outfit stayed the same. <laughs> You've got like this. a cupboard with a with a hundred outfits the same, like Superman. Yeah, picture this: sitting in a rocking chair, like a business chair that you have, like in the hotel room, flannel t-shirt, trucker hat, no pants or underwear, just knocking back a bang or a Celsius, just. Living life, living living the life in a three star hotel. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, wow, How have you been, Mike? <laughs> a lot better than right now. I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah, look right. at it, rafts it, rocking like an old man. Uh, <laughs> uh, pretty good. The um, 
the repetition, getting back into the deployable mindset is kind of my, my focus now. Um, I have some time before I kind of join up with uh, my team. So uh, hitting the gym extra hard and uh, retraining myself, my, my mental, my mental game, my physical, uh, all that. And uh, <clears throat> honestly, it's a good feeling, man. Like I feel, I know this is kind of what we're going to talk about today, but like, I feel more emotionally repair, uh, prepared for like what's coming. Uh, and it's more focusing on just like my physical and mental side um, and honing all that back in switching from instructor and manager back to a, uh, a tactical slash operational unit. So it's, it's pretty cool transition transition. I'm really enjoying it. it. It's fun getting back into some of these uh, situations I'm putting myself in as far as like mental state and, and uh, the physical side. Uh, I go to the gym. Like today I did like a mile and a half run warm up. I hit the gym for about uh, hour and 15 minutes. And then I finished up with like a 500 meter swim sat in a sauna for 15 minutes and then there's an ice bath right outside. And I went out, jumped out of there and jumped in that bitch for five minutes. And, uh, you know, I know Raph likes doing that with cold baths and everything, but you just feel so refreshed and like alive when you do that. So, um, my muscles feel great. I had some like minor injuries that, that are healing up a lot better. So I feel great. And, uh, yeah, man, it's just getting back into the grind. You know, I talked about it at the forge, and uh, I'm just, you know, I just dove right back in head first and just uh, enjoying the ride, man. So it, it's a good week. Um, a little excitement going on anytime there's something going on in the world. But, uh, you know, there's a uh, hundred thousand Russians standing on the border of Ukraine. And, uh, you know, I, I can't really get into it, but there's a lot of discussion around us and what, what might be coming, what's possible. And, uh, it's i'll just say it's exciting there's plenty of open source reporting people can be looking up and i think yeah. the number was 130,000 plus and if you're not if you're not reading that kind of thing and uh staying abreast of what's going on in the world i think in a broad brush at least then uh you're doing yourself a disservice any community i think it's well well worth our while to stay aware of these big geopolitical stuff that's all happening Hey, uh, I've also been back in the gym, rugby training back on, and um, yeah, I've been lifting. I'm like, I'm just committed to get out the door in my gym gear pretty much as soon as I get home, and it's been it's been really good. It's been really good. Just doing like a heavy something at the start, doing like a push pull, a squat, and a you know a bench or a deadlift and an overhead press, just a heavy short, and then go home, and it's bloody good i feel great do do pilots run rugby or do you, you run around? or do you just do you point at the crew chief and go hey run for me <laughs> no i can answer this uh Malin. we run we run to the bar that's the only place you're legally allowed to run is to the bar people get really nervous when they see the pilot running down the aircraft and out the door they would get really nervous when they see the pilot running down the door and uh yeah it's not it's not a good look because from my understanding, you land the plane, you shut it down, you get out and go, uh, and then just walk away and expect all the workers to fix everything and figure it out. And then you just walk away with your head down in your bag and rush to the bar. I mean, that's what I typically see. You know, it's it's the flight attendant saying, thank you. 
thank you for flying with us. Thank you for flying. And the pilots are already gone. They're already at the airport bar, you know, doing whatever. So. Well, that sounds like, that sounds like there's a lesson for everyone in that. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't understand. I was like trying to figure out if he's trying to berate us or if he's actually congratulating us because we're winning at our game. Yeah. On the, on the larger multi-career craft I was on, I was normally one of the last ones off and you're the captain, but. That's the way it goes. The boys, boys are already unloading everything. I've, I've seen a guy, I've seen a conehead on a P3 after a mission where he had engine failures and some issues. <laughs> Thunderstorm it was all, all fun again. One of the coneheads got out and kissed the, the tarmac when he got down, a bit like the Pope used to do. I thought, well, that's, that's a dude who's happy to be on the ground. Kiss <laughs> <laughs> the pavement in Malaysia. So, uh, should we just sort of jump into it? Yeah, let's just jump right into it. Let's just jump. Yeah, man. So, We've been doing a bit of research offline, chatting about what to talk about. And there was a, there's a gigantic study. It's one of the longest studies in the world. It's been running for over 75 years now. It's called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. And they did a big intake of uh, Harvard men. They were only men back in the day that went to Harvard. So it wasn't like they kicked out the women or anything, but it was just a function of how old the study is. At one big intake of uh, a, a year a year level at Harvard, and they've been tracking these guys ever since. And the second year was a group of very um, low socioeconomic area in Boston, and so they sort of got what you could say are going to be like an upper an upper class and a lower class group. And they did all sorts of studies on these guys, they heart and body and health and they also really early on for a study of this type they had psychiatrists on board so there was lots of surveys and personality type tests and stuff and they have tracked these guys and they are the last group are in their 90s now and they've got a follow-up study where they're now looking at the second generation and this study has generated huge amounts of information they just have reams and reams and reams of information they got they're on their fourth director of the study. So there's been, you know, people who've done this their whole career and then retire. And then the next guy has come along and has run his whole career on it and retired. And there's some very interesting uh, information that comes out of that um, as it relates to specifically men and how you end up in like in your old age. And they thought it was going to be a whole lot of like the blood pressure was like this or the cholesterol was that, or, you know, these health markers and so on. But sort of the really massive takeaways out of this were to do with how you were in your latter years really had massive amounts to do with the relationships you had and your ability to, to generate and sustain close relationships and social connections through your life. So they could get the data from these guys when they were 50 and they could plot out how deep their relationships were and how, how many close social uh, connections they had with wives and cl really close friends. And they could use that and they could predict onset of dementia and memory loss and cognitive decline and quality of life when these guys were in their 80s. And the stronger and uh, more, more numerous social connections that these people had and that they maintained was a massive direct indicator. And they were the biggest indicator, bigger than any of the other health markers that you'd think. So physical and mental health in your latter years really indicated by the strength of the social connections you had. And there's been some associated information around 
um, men, teenagers in particular, boys, and their ability to express their emotions in a, in a healthy way. And there's like a hyper-masculinity that's required at the moment in Western culture, in the US, certainly in Australia, in the UK, and uh, you know, in the Western world, where boys stop expressing their emotions. They stop telling their friends they, they love them. They start to repress uh, feelings that they think maybe are feminine, like expressing their emotions maybe is a feminine thing. It's not cool. And at that age that that occurs, there's a really significant increase in suicide rate and self-harm among boys. And then this leads to lonely men, adult men who don't have, aren't able to generate new friends, aren't able to maintain relationships. And these two studies sort of tie in together. And so that was like, we've, we've done a bit of reading and, and looking at this kind of stuff. And it, it's like, we feel like it's right up our, it's right in our lane of men connecting and expressing what's going on for them. For, for them. And people have difficulty with this from societal pressures and perceptions of what's okay to talk about and what's not okay to talk about. And this stuff has massive ongoing uh, impacts on people. Go ahead, Mark. I think it would be really good to start out with this and just let's all pick some things that are maybe previously uncomfortable to talk about that, were, you know, what's not acceptable in Western culture, you know, what can make you sound weak? You know, it, let's just blurt out a few things like, like it's already been said, Hey man, I love you. You know, that's, that, that could be viewed. What, what else, could, what else is there? What else have you guys struggled with? telling some other dude or best friend or teammate well, talking I to think, people genuinely about stuff you're having difficulty with like stuff that yeah. you're really actually having a hard time about right all, i was gonna say i'm oh, sorry melon go ahead no no you, you go yeah right yeah i was gonna say there's a laundry list there uh a really long list of uh of things that it could be i mean I'm thinking just in my close circle of friends, there is, I mean, we've got divorces, we've got um, deaths, we've got, um, I mean, cancer, we've got, uh, you know, uh, for married couples that have children, we've had um, miscarriages, which are, which can be emotional. I mean, the, the list can go on and on and on, right? So it's not, well, when I think about, I think what I think about when I'm, when we're talking about men and the ability to express their emotions and have healthy conversations, it's to, it's to unload that anything that is, that you're personally struggling with more than likely you're not the only one. Right. So it's, it's more than likely when you do reach out or, you know, somehow you end up having the conversation. The first thing you realize is like, Holy hell, this has happened to half my, half my network or half my, my, uh, my group. Um, just a quick anecdote when Aubrey and I had her first before Soren, uh, we had a miscarriage and, uh, and hers was pretty bad. And of course it was an emotional roller coaster because we wanted to have a baby. And then, you know, we had the miscarriage like 10 or 11 weeks, but a typical, you know, Raph and Aubrey story, I'm set, you know, I'm gone. I'm physically overseas wherever I was. Um, and so she's kind of dealing with it by herself, which again, adds its own element of, of difficulty and complexity. Um, but the, but the point is that it that doesn't mean that just because I wasn't physically there, it didn't hurt me. It absolutely hurt me. As a matter of fact, I thought it made it worse because I, I almost, even though it was at no fault of my own, I felt like an extreme failure, right? Because 
you know, my wife needs me, but I can't physically be there because I'm doing whatever it is that I'm doing overseas. Um, but what I'm trying to allude to is basically that list, like we can, we can write a list, but there's still a lot more things that we're going to leave out because I think anything that's difficult to talk about is a good thing to talk about. Does that, that's kind of a, like a good general rule of thumb. That's what I've learned over my 40 plus years on this earth is like everything I've always found difficult to talk about every time I have with really, really close friends that I know that aren't going to judge me, that are genuinely there to support me. It's a, such a sense of relief. Like, and I'm, and I know I'm not the only one. I know that once that those words roll off my mouth, like I've, I've held this deep, dark secret of pain and trying to deal with it because I, you know, because in my man, because in my head, I'm like, you're a man, you can deal with this. You can sort this out. But the truth is, even if I could deal with it by myself, the, the level of like, just a sense of relief, you know, that like, man, I'm not the only one. And I've got, you know, a couple of good mates that like are good sounding boards and maybe they've given me advice. Maybe not. Maybe they're just listening, but somehow it's weird because that's enough. Like that's absolutely enough. Pretty funny. I had almost exactly the same experience of we had a pregnancy before Annie and Cherry had a miscarriage and I was away and I was in a hotel and, you know, I was with a, I was with a mate and another pilot and I got off the phone and I just was sitting there, you know, feeling crushed. And he asked me what was going on and I shared it with him. And he was like, he'd had a couple of kids and he'd had the same experience. And then I was like trying to, trying to organize to get home and the weather and just, there was no chance. Right. So trapped there overnight and, and all, all that same, that same experience of being an enforced separation when you wanted to be at home. And then when I started sharing and talking with guys in the unit, it was, it was literally 80% plus of guys who had kids had gone through this experience and not one had ever shared it before. Like sort of, it was not something that was okay to talk about. And I, I, I really feel that these things go together with this perceived hyper-masculine culture that we live in with action heroes and, you know, sporting stars elevated and all this kind of stuff where it's really not okay for, for guys to express themselves. And like, I see if, you know, you think about your mates, like, yeah, whatever, you know, you can roll on with a tough outer skin. But when you think about your children and your sons and you think, you know, you want your sons and daughters just to maintain that beautiful ability to express themselves that all little boys have. Like I, we've, we've, we've watched Michael tell his friends that he loves them when he finishes calls with them, you know, really good, great people who've left here and gone back to the UK and, you know, hear him at the end of the call. And I think that's freaking beautiful. And why would you ever want to have a culture where that's not okay for him to maintain that? But yet all these studies show that starts to stop around this age and little boys realize that, you know, there's like feminine is a bad thing for boys, you know, to be, girly or to be like or there's a lot of bad words that are used you know like sort of curse words for for boys that are associated with with being feminine and you think what's the freaking problem there why would you not want to have all of those beautiful aspects that are, are okay and and some of that some of the anecdotes linked with these studies where they have got like transcripts and recordings of little boys going through this and the wording change and where they're saying you know, I wish it was okay for me to be able to talk about my feelings like girls can. And we're talking like 13, 14 year old boys and it just ends. And that leads to 
adult men who are unable to express themselves and form new connections. And if their friendship group fades away from, you know, like schoolmates or early 20s, is, is linked in these studies, men are unable to form new relationships and they end up in like their middle, middle years, 30s and 40s, with only their initial friend group. And when that sort of fades away, then you're in this Harvard study situation where you're heading into, you're getting a lot of cognitive and physical decline because you haven't been able to maintain these connections. It's like, it looks like it's really essential for full health to, to maintain them. And yet our culture, it's totally okay for girls to continue expressing their feelings through 13, 14, 15, 16, and boys know. And I'm like shocked as a father now reading this stuff and thinking, I definitely do not want this to happen to my son. Dr. Jordan Peterson brings up a lot of great points about the responsibilities of men in a society about, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a nice thing. It's, he always says it's necessary for a lot of these actions that, that men are, um, you know, the majority of the military uh, in the Western world is all, is all male. Right. So there, there's that where the, I know women are, are coming along for equal opportunity, but it's only men that are still in the draft. You know, only men have to register at 18 as the draft. So like, that's a responsibility to have. Um, the social structure traditionally has been the, the man is the head of the household. He's, he's in charge of the finances. He works, he's the breadwinner, brings home everything, takes care of his family. You know, he's the scout, um, all of that. <clears throat> and you can go down the list. And as I said, uh, Jordan Peterson has tons and tons of great examples of responsibilities of men. That's not taking away from women, but that is a lot of weight for a man to carry, especially a man with a family, right? And all the stuff that he has to deal with on a daily basis, he's, he's going in a stressful environment. He's coming home to a stressful environment where um, he, he kind of comes home to a bunch of unknowns because he hasn't been there, especially with a bunch of children. How do you take a rough day, come home and mentor your kids, especially your son, and show him the right way on how to be a man, how to be a mature, responsible man that has emotions, that you're not this brick wall that comes home, slams back a few cold ones and say, there you go, son. That's how you deal with the world's problems. And then just don't teach him anything. Don't share anything. Don't tell him I struggled today, but this is how I got through it. I leaned on my friends, on my teammates or whatever. Um, that is such a stressful thing. And if you take that for years, years and years and let that build up, like I personally know what that feels like. Uh, I went through, you know, episode one for me was all about mental health pretty much as a man and as an operator. And what was acceptable and what was not. You did not talk about your feelings. You didn't talk about, hey, I cried my eyes out last night and nobody cared or listened because I'm supposed to be this superhero robot machine that doesn't feel anything and I can deal with everything and everything in the entire world. You know, and it's just like whenever you try to talk, oh, no, you got this, man. Like they don't even want to listen. They already know the response. You know, and that shut me off, man. I struggled for 10 years until I broke from it. It broke me as a man. And, uh, you know, that's a lesson learned. And I think in today's society, especially my community, I know I'm not the only one. And like you said, Melon, you have these conversations that are in your own unit or at work. And it's just like, wow, 80%. You know, I know there's probably 90% in my community of guys that are feeling the same things. And when I'm very vocal about it, I speak about it. 
you can see the relief and then it's not usually in the room, but they grab you outside in the hallway and go, dude, that was really good shit. I appreciate you saying that. Like, do you mind if we grab some lunch? You know, like actually this week I'm going on Friday to meet one of my friends. Uh, same rank as me, been in as long as me. Uh, he's going through some stuff right now. He's going through a divorce and some other stuff he's got going on with his life from that's built up over time. He, he spoke to me. He's like, dude, can we get lunch on, on Friday? I was like, absolutely. Let's sit down, dude. We'll play some games, like have a beer and let's just sit there and talk about real stuff. And he's like, I'm totally down, dude. I'm excited. He canceled plans to come talk to me about some things, which I won't share. It's between me and him, but that's awesome. Go ahead, Rack. Yeah, I just I think this is a perfect opportunity to uh, kind of throw throw a flag up. Um, so Simon Sinek, uh, which I know you guys were big fans of. I mean, he's he's really awesome, dude. He's got great material out there. And I remember him specifically one of his one of his uh, episodes where you know he breaks the internet. And I'm sure. So I'm hoping that most of the listeners have listened to this. But he's talking about you know where you find your why, and he was talking about specifically how he would see the younger generation kind of be stuck to their phones, right? And kind of live in that virtual friendship, virtual reality type thing. And how, you know, they, it just, they, he noticed and he was trying to, he basically was trying to raise um, empathy from the older, from the older generation, older people like Melon and I, I guess you can say, and to kind of like, if basically what you're saying is like, look, if you see, if you work in an environment where you're surrounded by younger people or there are younger people and you realize that they're not interacting the way you normally would, in, in, in those settings, he's like, really, you should stop and make an effort to, to connect because unfortunately for that generation, for Mike's generation and younger, I feel like because now they're, they're fighting the, you know, this addiction with the phone and these addiction with apps and, all, and, and, and it's being the substitute for real concrete layered uh, interactions between people. And that's a, that's a real threat. I mean, think of like just this little anecdotal story that Mike just told where your buddy reached out and said, hey, man, do you mind if we grab lunch? What does that conversation sound like over a phone, over a couple text messages? Versus like he looked you in the face, he saw that you were authentic and that you were, you were positioned to receive this, this pretty serious, you know, he's got some stuff on his chest. You can't do that over the phone. So I, I, I want to raise the flag because I think that's important because we're all guilty of it, right? Like I was just downstairs in the hotel lobby with, you know, a couple of the guys and I had my phone sitting there and I knew that I was going to meet up with you guys. So of course I set an alarm, but I did that because I didn't want to be grabbing my phone every five minutes and just looking at it, right. Going, Oh, I have, you know, is it time yet? Is it time? Yet? I was like, no, I'm just going to set the alarm. As soon as it goes off, that's when I need to worry about making my room, my way to my room. But anyways, I'm just, that's a real concern of mine that it's not just the younger generation. I think people just in general, even the older people, you know, it, Mel, you talked about it. The algorithms are designed to be addictive. And if you allow these things to be the substitute for real conversation, we're in some serious, serious trouble. Like, real, like not just the individual level. I mean, society, like it, we're in a bad place. One of the, one of the, uh, a, a phrase I just heard yesterday was talking about being in the room versus being on the Zoom. And like that, how we've evolved is clearly face-to-face contact and there's a thousand, 10,000 bits of information that's coming off that other person that, you know, you're processing with all of the, you know, the old parts of the brain that the fact that we've now got this tech and, you know, you can send a text or whatever that 
It's just a, such a, a superficial amount of information that's coming from that other person. There's a reason why, you know, Mike's buddy wants to sit with him and have a meal and, and share something or people coming here in the corridor and, and letting you know and all that feedback you're getting from the posture and the way they're talking. And you, you can't substitute that. And that's a really great, great point, um, Tio. There's another study that was done along this whole same vein about the difficulty it's specifically men and there's a lot of research into the difficulty that men have in ma in maintaining or building new relationships as they age and one of the ones that i was looking at was there was a commuter study and it was to do with talking with strangers and so they got people on public transport on trains and buses and so on and they put them in three groups and one was they had to talk to people the second one was they definitely don't talk to people and the last one do whatever you normally do and they did a study, before they surveyed them before they started. And it was like, how happy are other people going to be to talk to you? And it was, people are like, like really low. They were like, well, well below 50%. Like those people on the train don't want to be disturbed by me. You know, I, 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 they'll be much happier if they're just on their own and I will be too. If I have to talk to someone, I'll be uncomfortable. They'll be uncomfortable. It'll be terrible. And the, the, the researchers drew out that there was fear of generating a conversation and the second part was keeping the conversation going anyway results came in and the number is statistically the same as 100 percent. they were like it's not quite 100 percent, but it's effectively 100 percent of people enjoyed the conversation and and had and and got something out of it and it was all around can you just establish the connection in the beginning it was how do you start the conversation with someone and which shows it's got something to do with we think that we just want to sit quietly and not be disturbed and and yet we are gregarious creatures like we are communal every like you know like even in prison the way you punish someone in prison is you put them in isolation right so being isolated from other people is it has a direct impact on humans and we think though that other people and us just want to be on our own. And yet when, when even just a, a superficial connection is generated in a public transport setting, people will love it. And so here are men aging and have difficulty expressing themselves. And, um, you know, our society is like men are not allowed to express emotion, especially anything to do with suffering or, you know, anything perceived as weak or feminine. We feel that other people don't want to talk to us. It'd be very difficult and awkward. However, a almost 100% of people are craving that and love it when it starts. And so we've got this massive conflict between perception and reality. And what's good for us is to generate and sustain these relationships as we go. So, you know, there's, there's a lot in that. And go ahead, Mon. What would be some solutions that we could probably gem up and, and discuss right now? What are some solutions that we could put out to our, you know, for us to practice, uh, for our listeners to practice, because uh, as I'm listening to you, you know, going about this, I see it as today's society, um, men are in mas masculinity is kind of being put down. And it's making a lot of males come off of just soft in the way they're, they're either too soft. And then there's some, there's some men that are just like, well, I'm never going to be that. And they go high and right. And they're like the toxic masculinity to try and counter it super hard. So it's like, I mean, like, so I went to the gym tonight and just looking around, you know, I'm always very observant of my surroundings. 
And it's like either the dude that looks like, and, and I'm just, you know, I'm not being mean about it, but like the dude that's everybody's there working out, which is good. But it's like the dude that like is wearing the skinny jeans and like just couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag versus the dude that's just roided out, just like staring everybody, mean mugging, lifting, you know, the hundred kilo freaking weights and just, you know, just it's either you're, you're, you're like this little ant or you're like this big moose that just like is toxic as shit. And there's no minimum, there's no middle ground or, or leadership around like as a, as a whole. So for me, it's like, there's very distinct leaders in the community. Um, people that are either, you know, let's call them politicians. Um, you know, it could be a parent, could be a, you know, a scout leader. Uh, I, I, I consider myself a leader because people look at me, see what I do, know I'm in a leadership position. They want to kind of hear what I want to say sometimes. So you're a leader, Mark. So, you are. Well, it feels up, you know, I feel responsible that like, I know how they view me. I know how society views me and they expect one thing, right? Here comes this, this operator. He's a hard ass. He's been around. He can do this. You know, he's a mean son of a bitch. He, you know, blah, 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 blah. And just go down the list of badassery. And it's like, I already know that's coming. So it's just like, well, I like to tell people, you know, and I said it before, biggest compliment you can give me is I'm not what you were expecting and demonstrate them uh, to them. Hey, one, I'm just a man. Two, I'm not perfect. Three, I have emotions and I feel things and I'm open to have a conversation with you about masculinity, about life, about children, about whatever. Uh, I am fully comfortable with myself. And uh, in the back of my mind, it's comforting because like, if I have some dude call me like a pussy or like, oh, you're a bitch or like whatever, it's just like, I don't even have to say a word because I could literally, if I had it written down, pull out my resume and just be like, you're absolutely fucking wrong. You know, I don't never have done that, but I just know in the back of my head, it's just like, I'm secure with myself, with who I am and what I've been through and what I've done, that there's nothing that you can say that's going to like make me feel offended for speaking my emotions and being open with who I want to be with. You know what I mean? So that's one way is like the right leaders need to stand up and demonstrate how to effectively communicate emotions so it doesn't come across as being weak. Yes, 100%. And it, it can be like you think about adult men now and you think, well, oh, you know, I wouldn't be comfortable expressing these things to these people or I wouldn't want those people to express these things. And you're just living that same uh, stereotype that you, of expectation and, you know, sort of pushing it down the road. And a way to really break that, I thought, was to think of those kids, those little the little kids who are so happy playing and uh, are so connected with their emotions. And then, and then they stop. And it's such, it's such a heartbreaking thing to hear these researchers talk, you know, with the transcripts changing uh, and they can plot it. And then when they say that that plots with an inclination upwards in the suicide rate, you think, what the hell are we doing as a society where, and even these researchers saying, oh, little boys were not talking about the stuff I thought boys would talk about. They were, they were talking about their feelings and relationships. And, you know, there was a group of like 13 year old boys from in the city and they sort of looked like gangbangers. And, and I was expecting them to be all, you know, about girls, this and the other thing. 
And this researcher's like, she was succumbing to the stereotype of what she thought boys would talk about. And yet she's like, oh, they were talking about stuff like girls were talking about, like who'd been upset by the, the statement and how did they all feel? And it was all friendship related stuff and about it. And it's like, then that all goes. And that's such, that's such a shame and such a, I think I'm certainly committed that my son not have that transition into a point where he can't express things and it's got to be toughing it out and, you know, at one hand punching himself on the chest and telling me he's good to go. Because the other study that's in parallel is that the good life is built with good relationships and physical, mental, and like longevity are all related to these things. And why would you not want to have a life that's fulfilling and meaningful? And those are the ones that are full of, full of quality relationships. Like these young men, when they were taken into the study, they're all asked what, you know, what is going to be, uh, what's a good life? And 80 something percent plus were like earning a lot of money. And then the next one was being famous and, you know, and they had, they had a president in that class and, you know, and they had all full spectrum of outcomes at the other end. And it, it was really funny that at the end of the, at the end of the day, like a fulfilling and meaningful life is actually what you want. And when you're young, you can think money and things and fame are going to bring that. And the relationship between them is not, is, is obviously not, is not there. And yet the relationships that, that bring that happiness, longevity, mental health, physical health, men have such difficulty forming and maintaining or making new ones. You know, good relationships, good lives built with good relationships. Go ahead, Ray. Yeah. Hey, kind of going back to what Mike uh, just said, like, what are the steps? What are some concrete steps or something that we could offer to the listener and even to ourselves? And there's four that I just kind of, um, jotted down in my own head and the first the first one i would say and this is probably the most important and this is just me talking from my own personal experience but you have to find listen we walk through different circles right there's the circle that i have at work and then within that circle there's probably certain men or women that i probably relate to a little bit better and then at home um there's people that i talk to and then there's my military friends and then within that group there's like a really really tight circle of friends um so i would say step one is identify your tribe, right? Or tribes. Cause I, I would say that I'm part of a couple of pretty tight circles, but I, de- but identify your tribe, right? Like the, the tribe that you think you can have these conversations that, well, first of all, let me retract that. I think you can have these conversations with anybody, but what I mean by this is the tribe that you can have these conversations with like effortlessly, right? You two come to mind. I could sit down and it's not going to be, it's not, it's, we're not, taking an off-ramp for a weird conversation. It's just going to be part of our normal conversation. It's going to be very streamlined, right? I'd say the second one is once you have your circle, solidify it with small acts. You know, hey, brother, I really love you, man. Like, I just, I want you to know that. Like, you know, take a minute or two just to give them affirmation, you know, like, and it doesn't have to be every time you guys talk, but like, maybe if you feel like you haven't done it in a while, just be like, look, man, I've, I haven't said this in a while, but I just, you know, the, the value that you brought to my to my life is invaluable or, you know, just maybe if you have to sit down and write it down. So like you can really, cause some, you know, some people really aren't good with words. We're, we're not all melons. Um, you know, you're just gorillas like Mike and I, so we're dropping an F-bomb. So it's maybe not the way you want to articulate it, but the point is maybe write it down, write down your thoughts. And then when the time is appropriate and you'll know when that is, just say it, right. Look him in the eye, put your chest out one man to another, right. Warrior to another warrior. 
And then I, and then I, and then uh, the last two steps, uh, and I think these are just as equally important. I'm not putting them behind because they're any lesser, but I would say read material or read, you know, um, anything that maybe uh, your mentors might put out, like people that you genuinely look up to. And if, if they have books, if they have podcasts, whatever, listen to them and try to mirror whatever it is that they're doing, because by mirroring, you're eventually going to be make that into a habit. And I think that's really important. And then the last one, I would say, advertise, advertise that you're open for business. Meaning if I expect Mike and Mellon to open up to me, then I need to open up as well. I need to let them, I need to let you guys know like, Hey man, you can talk to me like zero judgment. Any time of the night, you can call me. And the way you do that is by myself sharing like, Oh man, I, I had a tough go at home last week, gotten this major fight, you know, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to give it all your dark secrets, but, but just, given some personal information, it's like, it's an immediate sense of, man, this guy trusts me. Well, shoot, if he trusts me, then I have no reason not to trust. You know what I mean? And you just start to build, you start to build on that. Yeah, Mike. I love, I love the list and I'd like to add one more and it would be, don't be afraid to intervene when you see somebody, especially a teammate or somebody trying to open up and you see somebody smash them for it uh with their shit personal story uh we had adam on a few episodes ago and i all three of us are very proud of him for opening up and sharing what he did was very very tough to do and he he openly told us that after he hit me up recently and said that one of the guys he served with heard the show and was making fun of him for how he spoke and Initially, yes, it pissed me off because I was like, you know, I could have said 10 different things, but all I said to Adam was, Adam, you understand why he's saying those things, right? It's not about you and what you did. It's he's looking in the mirror and he's going, holy shit, that's a lot of me, but he's speaking about it. And it made him extremely uncomfortable because of his insecurities or the weight that he's carrying that he doesn't know how to let out, right? And Adam acknowledged it. He's like, yeah, man, his, he, he's, he's the type of guy that has confidence issues. That's taking pictures of himself in the gym. Every two minutes, he has a attitude problem. He acts like nothing hurts him that the world's, you know, he owns the world, like just everything. And Adam's Adam has developed that filter where he can kind of see it. And it didn't really shake Adam, which I'm very proud of him for because he's developed this comfortable comfortability with speaking about things. Um, but I was like, Adam, call him out and don't be an asshole about it. Cause you're just going to push that guy away, but show and be a leader and be like, Hey, it's okay to talk about this. And when you're ready, I'll be here to listen. I don't hate you for what you said. I feel sorry for you because I know what you're going through. Right. So as, as I said, be a leader and go in and all those things that Raph listed, but acknowledge it and maybe intervene for those people that are really struggling and you see it and jump in and go, Hey, this is okay. Why isn't it okay for you? Let's have a conversation. Researchers in one of these studies were talking about the teenage boys as they cross that threshold of sort of 16, 17, becoming young men talking about how they don't care about those things that they used to care about, but they the words were coming up so often in the transcripts, it was a real indicator that they really were the thing that was important to them still. 
by just having that area that's like it's delineated now that this is not okay for men to talk about these things. It was one of the biggest ones was guys will do everything they can to never, ever, ever let anyone ever think that there might be homosexual inclination, like that that's just feared. And, and A, who cares? And, and B, it's got nothing to do with, one's got nothing to do with the other. The ability to express what's going on for you and to, to share when, you know, you've had a miscarriage or there's been a breakdown or a loss or you've had a massive argument with someone, you don't know how to resolve it. Like how this has got anything to do with the other and what, you know, who cares about the other anyway? But that is the society we live in. So guys like putting extra words, like cursing their mates out, saying, you know, I love you fuckers. Because you have to be like, I'm letting this guy know. <laughs> There's definitely no romantic interest. And you're like, dude, you know, I, you know, it's, it's such, and, and that has really got a lot to do with it. This cannot let anyone ever form the 1% thought that that might be the case and you're like how many how many conversations don't occur and how many really hard moments are not shared and how many opportunities for connection are not taken up because we have this fear of you know it's such a crazy thing to be afraid of another one i want to add to that list because i agree right identify your tribe solidify your tribe uh look for material from mentors mirroring to build habits Advertise your open for business. That is a key one. We've talked about that before in podcasts about being first. Uh, and the, five, the fifth one, speaking up. The sixth one is, for me, practice generating a new connection with someone you do, do not currently have a connection with. Like making eye contact with someone in a gym and you know building up with the old T.O. upward head nod with a chin sticking out. <laughs> and, then over, and then over time, you know, you do that a couple of days in a row, probably you're, you're in a position now to say hello to someone. Or do you know what I mean? Like practice that initiating a, a connection and talking to someone. Like these people, this, this commuting study, it was like, hey, man, where'd you get those shoes from? You know, or, you know, I see you got your uh, university book there. What are you studying? Just tiny little icebreaker to start a conversation. And everyone, everyone in the study reported that those, those conversations are amazing. And you're talking about a total stranger you've met. So I'd say six, the sixth one there is just practice talking with a stranger, like practice generating a connection and seeing where it goes. Because that other person is a human being and they want to be connected and, and have these healthy relationships just as much as you do. You're going to jump in there, Tia? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you were just talking about uh, practicing generating a new connection. And I immediately thought of our good friend, uh, Jimmy Boggs. And this dude could teach a master class on owning a room. Because he's one of those individuals where it's part of his personality, it's part of his charm and his persona, if he has any charm. And it's and <laughs> this dude, this dude has like, he knows no strangers, right? He walks into the room. If you happen to mistakenly look in his direction and smile, I mean, he's within two minutes, he's got you like keeled over just laughing your ass off because he's, you know, he's really witty too. And he's, he's just got like these one-liners and I, I don't know. I just, I mean, literally I, he's the one person I think of that could put up a masterclass on how to walk in and it's, you can call it superficial banter, you call it whatever you want, but it's, he's smarter than that, right? Like he's actually generating connections and 
it's kind of like that old adage people don't remember what you say but they definitely remember how you make them feel when james boggs is in the room he makes you feel like you are the center of his world and that's a, that's a skill that i if i could do a, a percentage of what he does i think i'll be successful in life i, I want to put here like we're sort of getting towards closing here and there's a lot of uh additional conversations we could have around this. I want I just want to to reaffirm for people that we really put our money where our mouth is here. And the reason we're talking about this because I feel like it's absolutely in our lane is talking about things that a lot of guys have difficulty talking about. So those those conversations where you're sharing the emotion, we're trying to normalize that. We definitely get a lot out of it. The second one is that none of us knew each other 15 years ago. So we are all adult connections that we have generated. And it's like contrary to this, to this uh, research, which indicates a lot of guys only hold on to that initial group from the early 20s on. And that's, that's it. No, no new really deep friends. So Tio and, and Mike go back. I think it's 10 years this year. Yeah. Raf and I go back five years this year. And Mike and I are at like eight, 18 months, two years. And, and, and also, you know, we're evidence that you can actually generate and sustain a meaningful connection using Zoom, despite what we've been saying. Because, you know, I got up at 4.30 this morning to make this call and we do this. And, you know, we've had the face-to-face time. It's not, it's not essential, but it really does help. But I'd just say that generating new connections new relationships, new friendships as you age, I think is absolutely essential, especially in modern world where you're likely to move and you know you don't stay in your little hometown the way our, our grandparents did. And, and also normalizing talking about stuff that's not acceptable. Like we kicked off this whole series with episode one being your biggest breakdown. And I would say that that, that is like out of bounds for men in our culture the way that it is at the moment. And right. I know we're going to wrap it up, but I was going to say the one thing I would like to have what you just said, Melon, is it's also critical because, I, and I don't really have the statistics in front of me, but I was listening to, I think it was Matt Walsh, who's a podcaster, um, and he was talking about the, the number of suicides uh, with young men. Obviously, it's the ages of like 17 to 24. It's like, the, it's where it really peaks out, but also in 30s and early 40s, um, there's also a pretty significant suicide rate. Um, and there's a little bit of a blurriness because obviously there's a pretty serious um, opiate crisis right now, but you know they're having a hard time delineating between, you know, are these overdoses deliberate versus are they accidental? So anyways, but that's that's for another, that's neither here nor there. The point is that you know lack this lack of connection is also associated with a spike in in suicides, right? Because again, and and also just uh, um, the atrocities that are happening in, in these inner cities or in small towns where you have this uh, this child, this young man who's usually who usually feels detached from society and then decides he's gonna, you know, buy like 20 guns or whatever, take 20 guns from whoever and then starts shooting up schools, start shooting up these places of commerce. And it really has to do because and somebody put up brought up a good point. It was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and they said, you know, people always talk about the gun violence in the United States. And I know it's debatable. I, I'm not even going to go there about guns and all that stuff. But he said, if you look at countries with the most guns per capita, it's places like Somalia. It's places like Yemen. He's like, but you'll never, ever hear 
in, in any of those uh, countries' histories where people just walk into a store and just start shooting. I mean, outside of a terrorist organization, you'll never just see this youth who walks in with an AK-47 just starts killing masses. He's like, it's only in these Western societies where these young kids aren't part of a community. They're completely detached. And I think there's a real, I mean, this is palpable. Like this, it's not just to build stronger, you know, relationships and have these examples for, you know, young men like Michael and Soren, but it's literally killing our young men, our young men. And I'm sure women are, are kind of in the same boat, but since we're talking about men specifically, um, yeah, th this is, this is a real thing. Like it's, it's you a don't great have to go to the you don't have to hit the far extreme of like a mass killing event, just antisocial behavior. Like a lot of low level crime is, is a, an, is only going to occur from people who don't have a connection to the community, who don't have a group of friends who are tight and are going to help them and they help their friends and they know that they're doing stuff that's wrong and, you know, they're not unable to express themselves. They're looking for belonging in the wrong places, you know, and, and how many of them are coming up out of environments where it's really not okay to share what's going on inside and, you know, avoiding any sense of anything to do with being gay. It's only okay to, you know, bro and high five and, uh, you know, excess alcohol consumption together. And they're like, you know, we can put ourselves into a narrow channel and, and huge numbers of antisocial uh, outcomes flow when, when you don't have these connections. You want to add something here, Mike, before we wind up? Just to finish, you know, putting out these challenges and all of this, negativity that's out is the is chaos and it's stuff that's formulated within society you know and it's just like oh well they wouldn't like that well who's they you know we go back to that and like who who's they who's putting you on into this who's saying you can't do this you know it's usually some type of authoritative figure in your life oh my dad would never let me talk about that okay we'll go to somebody else you know like go, go talk to your uncle go talk to your best friend go talk to whatever like Push back against the chaos. As Raf said, it's a beautiful saying. It's very simple, but pushing back. If you want to be a strong man, if you want to be a healthy man, talk about your emotions. Talk about your failures. Um, say I love you to your best friend. Say I love you to your wife. Treat your wife good. Don't cheat on your wife. Um, put your family first. Go go to work every day and, and try not to complain. Um, you can go down the list of just doing the hard and admitting the hard and talking about the hard, that's a real man. That's a healthy man, you know, and that's a challenge. That is not easy. That is not easy to do. That is a strong man. The weak man will quit, blame everybody, hurt somebody, you know, and just find a way to end something viciously out of spite, you know, whatever. That's a weak man. That's the definition of a weak man. So next time you see somebody, look at them, their actions, what they're doing, what they're saying, and put all of it together. And I'm not saying you sit there, go up to them and be like, hey, you're a weak man. But just take note in your mind uh, and just know what right looks like. Know what the hard can bring you. Um, and it, especially for young men, try to show them the right example of what a strong man really is. And it's not just physical, you know, it's, it's everything. Everything comes into being strong mentally, emotionally, physically, all of that. So.
and, right place to finish it, Raph. Yeah, and I was going to say, and just because uh, I just had this thought in my head, you know, sometimes just being strong also means that you have your moments of weakness, right? And and just getting back up. You just because you know if you fall, it's okay. It's part of being strong. Just get, just remind yourself. You know, we we all fall, even when you're at your best, even when you're at your absolute best, you could fall. Actually, you will fall. <laughs> yeah, and I love you too. That's that's probably the best way I'm gonna end it. Good for you, man. Well, the good life is built on good relationships. There's a lot of information out there. The Harvard study of adult development is there. There's a TED talk by the current director of that, and it's like a 13-minute video. We might put that in the show notes. There's powerful stuff. We all want to have a connection, and they're the, the connections impact your brain. You know, memory loss, early aging, early dementia, health, physical health, happiness as we age, all directly relate to the ability to generate and maintain connections that matter. So I'd be very interested to hear from people. My challenge to the community is to have a conversation today with someone that you've never had a conversation with before. So try and have that initial practice initiating a conversation with someone. And if you can get over the initiation, then you're on the other side of it and it's not hard. So let us know how you go in the, in the notes. Email us, NitroAverageMike77, NitroAverageRaph, NitroAveragePaul at gmail.com. And uh, you know, if this is helping you, please share this out into your community. And until next time, take care and uh, we'll catch you soon. <laughs>